Welcome to Optimal Self, the art of becoming the best version of you. Join us as we talk with extraordinary people who are on the journey to living to their optimal self. We dive deep into their minds to learn what they do on a daily basis to create optimal results. They share their tools and insights so you can implement them into your own life to become the best version of you. Here's your host, Jeremy Herriter. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Optimal Self Conversations, where we talk to incredible people who, through adversity, grit, and persistence, are forging the path to being the best version of themselves. They join us to give you the tools to do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a buddy of mine that you guys are going to absolutely love. You guys know that follow along principle two of of optimal self is breathe. We talk a lot about it, how it changes your state. And my man, BMAC to everybody, Brian McKenzie is a specialist in stress adaptation. He is a real pioneer in the development and application of protocols to optimize human health and performance. I could go on and on and on, man. Everything from the books that he's been in, he's been in every single publication that is meaningful to the health and, and wellness space. And I'm just super stoked to have him on. And you guys get to not just meet him and hear his story, but also get to listen in and see how powerful. You guys hear me talk shit all the time. It's about time you don't get the stupid layman guy, you know, and you actually get an expert to tell you how it really works. So BMAC, thanks for joining us, brother. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. I appreciate it, man. All right, man. So... Before we get to the fun stuff, tell the people about you, man. Where where is the how does this background happen? How do you get into being where you are today as and again, and I said this pre-show and I'll say this to everybody here listening, is that in my mind, if you aren't the best in the world, you are damn close to one of the best in the world when it comes to stress adaptation, the breath work, and how it all functions. So, man, where does that start at for you? Uh <laughs> Being a curious kid that was, uh, I mean, I grew up on the opposite end of LA from you in Orange County in the 70s and 80s. And it was, I grew up skateboarding and surfing. And two of those, both of those things were kind of looked at as these agnostic things to society. They are not what they are today. Thank God they're not. But I do wish that there was a little bit more struggle for kids than there is today. That being said, I grew up in sports, but namely swimming and water polo. I was dropped into a pool at four by my mom because she didn't know what to really do with me. So she dropped me off at the rec center where there was a swim program. I took to the fish. I took the water like a fish, and I was at the beach every weekend. I had grandparents that lived in Laguna Beach, so I was down there pretty frequently. So I grew up in a very active environment. That's the background, right? But I also grew up in an active environment that that I was told I couldn't do, that I wasn't supposed to do. And I was not somebody who took very kindly to being told what he could and could not do. And that was from a very young age. I still hold that true, but I've learned to kind of focus that and not be challenged by people bringing that to me, I kind of tend to see what it is for what it is. And I lay my own kind of path. That said, I got into human performance because 
nothing else intrigued me. I was kind of on the, I, I joke, but I, I was like on the nine year plan for college. I actually, I've never really talked about this publicly, but I actually dropped out of high school on purpose my senior year, halfway through my senior year. When I finished water polo, the midterm ended and I told my parents I was no longer going to high school. And they were like, wait, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm out. I'm just going to go to this local college and I'm going to get my GED. I don't give a shit. Like, I really don't want to participate here. None of my friends are here. I don't enjoy it. I was over it. I wanted to move on and start figuring out what I wanted to do. And I started, I, I was already working. I had jobs from 16 on because I, I had to. So I kind of had this work ethic, but I also had this place where I was pretty anti like establishment to everything. Mm. I got in trouble a lot but my parents somehow supported me no matter what I did. So the nine-year plan arose within college where I was in and out of community colleges and i dabble and then I'd get out. i dabble and get out and I'd take a few, you know, whatever, classes and, you know, it just went on forever until I decided to take a kinesiology class. Mm. And I was like, oh, like I got my first like, sh- like A plus in any class I've ever had since like first grade, you know? <laughs> So it just like, it, it, it like stuck. So I, I just kind of kept following that path and it probably, it, it probably saved my life at the time. I did a quite a bit of partying and just was not interested in anything. I was living off of friends' couches. So I was kind of homeless, but I was still like trying to keep it together and then ran into this whole thing. And my entire life had started to change around that because I had such an interest in it. And I had this foundation that was laid within varying sports so in the water learning all of this stuff like then playing organized sports my entire life and seeing the structure of that and the progression of those things and being on some fairly decent teams throughout that process and actually being a fairly decent swimmer myself i was a fairly competitive short course swimmer so i was a sprinter and that kind of set precedence for what I was curious about. And I got into it. And I very early on, like five or six years into training human beings, like professionally, I um, got roped into doing a fucking triathlon. And I was not an endurance guy. And I got my absolute ass handed to me in a sprint triathlon. I came out of the water in like top 10. Uh, like literally there are pros there and I came out in the top 10 in the water. <laughs> then I dropped about 50 places on the bike. And then I probably dropped another hundred places on the run where I was passed by several overweight people that encouraged me to keep going. And somehow that pushed me to want to do more. And I ended up going down to the California Ironman, which was a half Ironman at the time, watched my buddy finish it. And I signed up for Ironman Canada that day. Mm-hmm. So I went from doing a sprint to doing this other, you know, very, very extreme end of those things. And uh, that was like 2003 when I uh, kind of got, it, it was like the 2000, 2001, 2003. And I like where I got into some of this endurance stuff. And then I did the 2004 Ironman in Canada. And that kind of, um, that changed a lot of things for me. I just was demolished from a race that I trained like a ton for. I mean, I was training 24, between 24 and 30 hours a week. So it was, it was a, it was a part-time job and that kind of, I was driving home from Canada and I read an article 
about this dude who runs through the middle of the mountains doing races and doing like 50 and 100 mile races. His name is Dean Carnassus. Dean is actually a very good friend of mine now. And I actually was like, wait, what? What do you mean somebody's running through the mountains, running 50 to 100 miles? Like, that's just another level. And I was like, I guess that's where I'm going, you know? And so I got into that. But in that process, because I was so damaged from what I had done and I had some background in what I did and I understood movement and I was actually getting mentored by a a very crazy Russian scientist by the name of Nicholas Romanoff, I started tooling around with very different ideas with training for endurance. And that involved, it ended up involving CrossFit at one point. Um, So I, I was very early on or early in CrossFit. But I was applying strength and conditioning methodology to endurance training, but also figuring out that you could not, that you had to actually lower a lot of the endurance training or, or your longer duration training in order to do that. And it created quite a paradigm shift because I was very vocal about what we were doing. And we had a, a, a hell of a little training lab called Genetic Potential at the time that ended up coming across at Newport Beach, where we were, I had probably about a half dozen to a dozen trainers and athletes that I was working with that were openly wanting to experiment and play with trying to figure some shit out. And that was what we did. And we figured a lot of stuff out and we hit a lot of walls and we, you know, unfigured some things out. Um, And that was kind of my paved road for getting to really understanding like who I, I think I was at the time. Like, oh, like I'm just, I'm a curious guy who really just will immerse himself in things. And when I'm involved in things that I don't give a shit about, I probably should not be there at all. And I shouldn't be doing that at all because it's not going like, I'm just not going to be very successful with it. So that pushed things. And um, we, oddly enough, you know, I mean, it's weird because like here I am something 22 years later into a career and uh, I'm mainly talking about breathing. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I somehow along that path ran into a friend of mine in Hawaii. I've spent a lot of time in Hawaii and worked with a lot of professional surfers and big wave surfers. And a buddy of mine handed me a training mask and I kind of laughed at it and, um, didn't think very much of it. I was actually like, this doesn't train for elevation. I mean, I've got an actual altitude training system in my place right now like that actually alters oxygen concentration levels so i knew that a a mask itself isn't going to change pressure so that you can change how oxygen is distributed but i knew that i also hadn't played with that and i was making fun of something i hadn't played with so i put the thing on and when i put it on i drew a breath and i instantly sat up to draw breath it pulled me into a position that forced me to actually engage primary muscles and my background being in movement and understanding kinesiology. I knew that I had just tripwired something that had been kind of the focal point of what I had been doing with trying to get athletes to do for quite some time, which was move in a more efficient or more optimized way, because that's the main problem with what we see dysfunction with what we see in, in, in human performance. So I knew I had a tool that I could distribute to athletes who I worked with globally at that point and would, if they would just warm up with this thing on, they'd start to understand better positions. Well, I started cluing in after some time of using this thing that I was diverting 
to using my nose more than my mouth when I was using this mask. It just so happened that, well, like just factually speaking, now what we understand is that the nose actually will have you engaging your primary muscles in order to breathe in a much more optimized fashion than when I breathe through my mouth. I can get away with murder breathing through my mouth. So I then started to get curious more. And the curiosity led me into understanding and and reading about respiratory physiology. I had a basic general understanding of physiology. I've I've taken exercise physiology classes. I've taken, I have anatomy and physiology. You know, I have all of those courses, but I really went and started focusing on respiratory physiology and that became a very big focal point. And then that ended up leading me into the neurobiological side of things and, and breathing and how our respiratory system works with the brain, the brain stem, how everything works in conjunction with things. And I, we, we just really couldn't find anybody other than scientists who just had a general, and still to this day, like most scientists, there really aren't any, any scientists who understand the pragmatic application of these things. They understand the science behind it and the scientific research behind things and specific protocols and things, but what they're not, what they haven't grasped and where we, where I've diverted and where we stand alone is what we do understand and how to actually apply these things for a human being. They are not a blanket training program, contrary to the very, very popular and even often scientifically promoted ways that they go about. And I wouldn't say it's scientific. I just say it's people, science actually is right. You know, science, science actually leads away and it says, yeah, this is what we understand now. Let's now figure something out like like where do we go next right like it doesn't say this is it right that's the true way of science but you know th- unfortunately we all are human and we get caught up in and, and it's hard man because you know this is what i deal with on a daily basis is, is i get people that come to me and like oh yeah breathing whatever i've already had somebody teach me this breathing stuff i mean i have people trying to teach what we teach and they're not doing it in an effective manner because they don't actually understand the underlying fundamentals of how respiration your your respiratory system really works with stress and there is a very very interesting path with learning that and it just you know requires curiosity beyond getting to factual information so there, there's kind of where i'm at what my story where i'm at and how it all happened <laughs> it's, <right there. laughs> it's awesome and i'm glad and i i want the listener to have that because it's important and i was telling you this pre-show is that you know, I'm fortunate in the scheme of of the people that I know and meet being a professional athlete and being around people now that are at the top of their professions, regardless of what it is. I mean, I mean, hell, my roommate in baseball is the manager for the LA Dodgers. Dave Roberts was my roommate. Like, you know what I mean? Like you get these cool, but here's the thing. And the reason why I wanted to go down that road with you and I wanted the listener to hear it is that anything that people do at a high level, it's because they are obsessed with it, because they are truly driven by some portion of it. And, you know, seeing your journey, and again, I was fortunate because I, I mean, I met you back in the CrossFit endurance days when, when we were just getting started. 
I remember putting a piece of tape over my mouth at one point, right? To, to get the, the heat going through the nose and how long can you stand it? You know what I mean? Hey, get on that. It wasn't even called an assault bike back then, but with whoever the man you're yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in those days, you know, yeah, and the airdyne. The airdyne. There you go. There you go. The original, right? We we go yep. way back. And then, you know, even even in our journey of, of optimal self and where we are today and, and getting people to understand that how powerful understanding your breath can be. Not ju- I mean, obviously from a health perspective and a performance perspective, like now your your journey is is pushed you with you know the best of the best of the world olympic athletes elite performers professional athletes you know and i mean even the work that you did that i was reading about the the prisoners in in uh, san quentin, oh, yeah, san quentin. Movie, right like yeah, how it changes your state and so you know the buzzwords today oh your mindset right you got to have and that's true right i mean the cognitive function and how you think matters that's there's no doubt about that i'm not trying to downplay that cuz i'm i'm a big believer in in how you think but the truth is if we go even deeper right that and if i heard you correctly even even in your journey right now is like man i was trying to get better right like i went out and ran this this ironman and got my ass kicked and i'm like wait a second this isn't supposed to happen. Like, how do I, you know, this, this endurance thing leading to this, leading to this. But here's the thing is that your mind was saying, Hey, I got to get better. And there's ways to do that. And now we figured if I heard you correctly, and this is the thing that that breath, because I know for me, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell a personal thing is that when I have those moments, whatever anxiety, and even back in performance days is that when I could settle myself focus on my breath, I could literally in a matter of, I would say at my best within probably nine breaths, change my state and be completely focused on task at hand other than worried about, you know, winning the weight, the guy next to me, whatever. So the people listening, I wanted them to hear your journey because again, it wasn't like I just woke up one day or I went to some school one day and this happened. It was like, no, man, it's a fucking journey. It's a, it's a true obsession. How would the listener understand how powerful the breath is and changing their state from, especially the stuff that the everyday person is, is dealing with, right. Anxiety, whatever, whatever catch word or, Mm -hmm. and not, I'm not trying to downplay those things, but I do believe that there are ways to help ourselves. Well, (laughs) so there's there's a lot to unpack with that, but, um, you know, I think for me, part of my journey has been, you know, I don't look at it as an obsession. But that doesn't mean that that's not kind of where, where it's at at times and what it is. But, you know, we, we like to use things like discipline and, you know, hard work. There's a lot of catch shit, catch stuff going on mm-hmm. in the world and there's nothing wrong with it. But I do believe we are confused and I do believe it has to do with a lot of what we we've confused ourselves with. And you being a professional athlete will understand this. So professional athletes, you know, a lot of people have a very gross misunderstanding of what it it means to be a professional athlete. 
it takes a lot of hard work and it takes work that you're going to need to do when you don't want to do it. But there's a belief or there's a thing that you care about enough that you're driven to chase. But with inside the scope of of performance and, and elite athletes, and this is every sport I've worked in, and I got to tell you, there are a lot, and I couldn't even name them all right now. I mean, it even includes fucking ones where people are on horses, which is weird. But athletes, actually, professional athletes ha- have it easier than, than everybody else. And here's why. A professional athlete, by and large, knows when to get up, when to train, when to eat. And it's all kind of taken care of. Now, if you're playing baseball, it's a very, very difficult thing to do in season. But things are still tried to work around and you're told what to eat and how to eat. Like you're given a lot of parameters. And it doesn't mean that I'm not taking away that it it is hard to be an elite athlete. It is. I see more anxiety and problems in the professional athlete world than I do in most other places because of one thing and it's the idea of performance first capacity first i've got to perform i need to i need to win i need to make this so that i can get paid or i can get that next contract or i got to do what i you know, see what i'm see where i'm going then you've got the world right so are you a father i am okay so now you have entered whenever you entered i don't know how old your oldest kid is Whenever your first kid entered the world, you actually entered the world of the hardest job on the planet. You are a parent and you work. You have, your sleep is now disrupted. You don't eat what you're supposed to, when you're supposed to. Most people are trying to supplement their way through things or they're trying to hack themselves through things. So we now have functional medicine doctors who are prescribing a ton of different hormones and things to kind of optimize stuff and do things. And I'm only saying all this because I'm involved in all of this and I work within all of this. I've participated in all of this. So we're trying to hack something that we don't quite understand what the end goal is. We think the end goal is to make X or work this much in order to achieve something to live a specific or to earn a specific way to live versus living specifically because of what or or truly believe in what we want to do and so we get we separate ourselves from this whole thing this is why depression exists depression is because we follow the rules depression exists because we're obedient like i become obedient to something that I think I should be doing, but don't really want to be doing that. Mm. That's a very tough thing to deal with, right? And I'm not a mental health professional, but I know these things because I've worked through these things and spent time within these things. So where breathing comes in is, is here. Breathing is the epicenter for energy. We don't have a choice in that. All energy in the human being or any obligate aerobe, which is any animal that utilizes oxygen to transfer energy, not create it, they must breathe. So if I blink, I am breathing because I blink, because that required some sort of energy. For me to think requires energy. For me to send a to send a signal, which travels at like 300 tops, 300 meters a second, I believe, 
like nowhere near the speed of light, but it travels fast enough. And there's a purpose for that. Or there's a reason why it only travels as fast as it does that current that my brain, I think, and I move my hand, right? Like I think, and I move my hand. That is circuitry. There are electrical impulses that are happening. There is energy that is being created as a result of that. That energy largely is being generated from oxygen and glucose basically working together, right? The byproduct of that becomes carbon dioxide in, in basic form, all right? One of the byproducts. We used to call this, and a lot of scientists in a lot of academia still call it a waste product. They're wrong. It ain't a waste product. And I'll openly debate anybody on that. But there is a very good reason for carbon dioxide to exist. And that reason is, is it creates an atmosphere inside the cell that releases oxygen. So the CO2, th think of your red blood cell, where, which is most people understand what carries oxygen, okay? So this, this is important for everybody is that when I inhale, oxygen enters my lungs, it diffuses through my lungs, through, alveol through the alveoli into capillary beds, which is then picked up mostly by red blood cells where it enters the red blood cell and that red blood cell transports. And you've got trillions of these things, right? They transport all over the body and they're offloading oxygen when carbon dioxide enters them. So think of the red blood cell inside that there's hemoglobin and hemoglobin is like a magnet for oxygen, but it's magnetism is actually more attracted to carbon dioxide. And there's a good reason for that so that you can actually get that oxygen so that it releases off of that cell. It, it releases off the red blood cell, then perfuses into a regular cell where the mitochondria take it and the oxygen coerces some enzymes and we go to work and it we create energy, right? And this is aerobic cellular respiration in basic terminology. But where breathing really plays its role here is that you only take a breath consciously because of carbon dioxide. Your brainstem has a detection center that's set up with chemoreceptors and those chemoreceptors are largely responsible for your knowledge or detection of CO2's rise and fall. That rise and fall dictates when to breathe. And the very easiest way for me to drive that home is just to say to everybody right now, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, hold your breath and just hold it right now. The only reason why you're going to need to take a breath when that urge increases is because carbon dioxide is raising. If we were to put a pulse oximeter on you, I'm at altitude. So my pulse ox right here is on. So I sit at altitude. This will pop up in a second. So I'm at 96%, right? And 86, because I'm talking and I'm a little bit, you know, my, my arousal states up, right? 98% O2 saturation, right? Well, I'm pretty good at using oxygen and I've been doing this breath thing real well. But if you have one of these, you can go check it out and just go <gasps> and hold your breath. You're not going to see that number drop below 96% more than likely, which means you are not hypoxic. Oxygen's not the variable in what's triggering you to breathe. Your tolerance to carbon dioxide is what is. And so because that brainstem picks up on that stuff 
We also have chemoreceptors up in the brain because it's very important not to change the pH of the system. Carbon dioxide can change the pH of the system very quickly. So can oxygen. So an influx of oxygen would be something like if I were just to hyperventilate real quick, like <sighs> and a lot of people know the Wim Hof method. Well, that's what I'm doing is actually removing a lot of carbon dioxide. So I'm stuffing more oxygen into the red blood cell. I'm not allowing all that oxygen to fall out. And so what the blood vessels do is they constrict because oxygen creates an alkaline environment. So I constrict. And so when you hyperventilate, you get into this high arousal state. I've been talking. You saw that my heart rate was up. Of course, my heart rate's up. I should, it should be up if I'm talking and I'm having a conversation and I'm sitting at set right, almost, you know, 6,500 feet, 7,000 feet, right? Like I should have somewhat of an elevated heart rate. Things should change. But breathing is the thing that changes that. And another way to drive that home is to be like, well, if you're really stressed out and I just said, hey, lower your heart rate right now. And we were all looking at our heart rate. What would everybody do? Every single person would start to try and control their breathing because they, we actually automatically understand a lot of this stuff, but we don't know how to apply this stuff. And I just gave kind of a, a very basic <laughs> although it could sound a little complex view of how it works right the more efficient i get with oxygen the better i function the easier i function it's not going to solve all your problems but there is a reason why people did used to hand people a paper bag when they're having panic attacks why would somebody hand somebody a paper bag for a panic attack that means you're rebreathing the air that you're pushing out, which is a lot of carbon dioxide, which means you're bringing more carbon dioxide in. You're vasodilating and calming the system down. You're mm -hmm. triggering more of a parasympathetic side. So if I hyperventilate, I increase arousal. If I slow the breathing down or control the breathing to slow it down, or I hold my breath, I'm going to drop down. I'm going to create more of a parasympathetic slide in my nervous system. So I'm going to calm some things down. And so this is just a broad overview of like, well, how does this apply to everything? Well, energy is actually everything, whether people like that or not. You stop moving energy, you die. That's it. Like we have variables like grip strength is a part of like understanding how when somebody gets too weak, they're deteriorating from a movement standpoint that they can no longer hold anything or do get themselves off the ground type of thing. Standing up from the seated position, squatting is another variable. The other one, VO2 max drops below 22. So if I can't actually get my VO2 up to 22 liters a minute of moving, we know that that person is probably on the downward slide. They're, they're, they're not able to produce or move enough energy to keep the system operating. And we have to continue to do that. The most optimized way of doing that is through aerobic cellular respiration. The other way we move energy is through anaerobic cellular respiration, which has roughly three compartments to it in anaerobic activity. But for all intents and purposes, we don't need to get into that because mm -hmm. The other side, like just understanding that once you cross a line, like these two systems work together and they're working together all the time. But at a certain point, if I, my intensity gets too high, I will be dipping more into that anaerobic activity. Stress-wise, as I talk, and I am talking, just running my mouth right now, I'm 
moving more towards that anaerobic side of things because my body, my the system, my biology could care less if it was because I was squatting, running, or mm-hmm. running my mouth on how little oxygen I'm I have available. So if I squat real quick, right? Oxygen demand goes up for that tissue. So I don't have enough oxygen in that area. So my respiration rate goes up because the byproduct is carbon dioxide and that starts to pick up. So I start to breathe heavier, right? I start running. My respiration rate picks up because the demand for oxygen goes up. Well, what if the demand for oxygen didn't go up? I just explained what happens if we hyperventilate. We offload the CO2. We retard the ability to use O2. So there's not as much oxygen bioavailable in the system. So you will start to lean more into the stress state. So we just look at this as terms of energy and how we're using energy throughout the day. There's a reason why chess players can burn up to 6,000 calories a day, sitting at a table in a chess tournament, right? All day. There's a reason why a free diver can burn upwards of 600 calories an hour, just diving and coming back up, keeping their heart rate lower than your and my resting heart rate. And then there's you know reasons why an endurance runner burns, you know, 5,000 calories in a marathon or something, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but none of those have anything to do with the other. Like they're very different and it's, well, energy is very different in in the demands for it, but it all has to do with like how I am really focused on what, what it, where, where my attention is. So if my attention goes towards something, that is where energy goes. And this is how that paradigm starts to work. And so if I'm overthinking something or I don't like something, I'm constantly thinking about that. I'm not only wiring up a pattern for that, but I'm triggering breathing based on how I'm handling that. So carbon dioxide becomes the culprit in how we breathe and why we breathe. And everybody's tolerance levels fluctuate throughout the day based on how metabolically the, the system's functioning, its needs, but also the psychology. So it's a psychophysiological phenomenon. So if I'm overthinking, if I'm doing a lot of work in my head, if I've had an emo- like I had uh, an argument with my spouse, that that is energy. That bandwidth has just lowered my level of ability to tolerate. My CO2 tolerance has gone down. So this is where when we think about things like, well, I got to go for my run today. You got to go for your run and you just dealt with a gnarly work day and had an argument with somebody. You're probably going to cook yourself, but you're going to get away with it because you can do that for a few days before all of a sudden you don't understand why your knee hurts Mm. because your tissue is now so tight because you're not getting enough fuel to it because the tension of what's going on, like it's all interrelated. But the thing is, is that you can pick this shit up through your breathing. And your breathing will tell you at any point. The problem is, is most people just don't want to take the time to really go, oh, I don't want, I don't want to do any, oh, what am I going to do? Some breath work and it's going to change things. Yeah, here, just do this for five minutes. And if you can't do it tomorrow, you know you're cooked. But if it increases, you just got better. So you just increase your tolerance, right? And so now you're getting, you're building bandwidth. But, you know, just going back to circling back to where I began, where it's like, if I'm focused on something that's an external goal, performance, and there's nothing wrong with performance, just to be clear, there's nothing wrong with winning anything. There are winners and there are losers. But 
if my focus is, if my A priority is outside of me on performance, that means I'm probably disconnected with what's going on internally because I'm willing to override that with my brain versus to un- understand the internal state of what's going on with my physiology. Just like the example I used with the knee showing up, the knee pain or the Achilles tendonitis or the whatever shows up. It's all interrelated. And we, we've really gotten to a place where, you know, there really isn't anybody doing the work we're doing in terms of this kind of understanding and drawing people to these understandings themselves. We don't necessarily just like go and take people out of pain. What we do is we show people while they're in pain, why they're in pain and how to actually change those situations and change what their outcomes are and get a more authentic expression of self through that. So there's your kind of, there's a nutshell of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, I love the idea. I, I mean, I hope people understand that, you know, again, breathing, you said it, it said you, breathing is the epicenter of, of energy and, and that transfer of energy, depending on what that energy is, it's, it's easy to dictate a workout, right. Or, or something physical with, with that, because it, it, it does, right. It immediately tax you and you you know you recognize it but something as a work stress a an argument with your spouse or whatever getting cut off on the freeway right like that we don't realize what that is actually doing to us and how i mean in, in instantly like that's what I want people to get, right? I want people that are yeah. that are listening. There's people right now driving yeah, I mean, I, listening to us. You know what man, I mean? Like I challenged myself living in Southern California for 40 something years, right? <laughs> I challenged myself like three years ago now to drive the speed limit for a week or under. <laughs> Good luck, bro. <laughs> like <laughs> oh my goodness. It feels like you're standing still, right? I you- challenged myself to do that i couldn't do it for a day and i right. lost my shit right like i was just like so pissed off about it because i like, just i attached an outcome to this thing that oh i and then i caught myself speeding or i cut off oh somebody mm. cut in front of me so i took it per- and it was just like over right yeah. like, well i came back to it and finally i i got through it like mm. a couple weeks later i now don't drive five miles an hour over the speed limit and i am one of the calmest people that mm. I, I witness on the road now. I live in Colorado now, like in the mountains. And there are like it's kind of nuts because they, you know, I had I have friends that coached me into moving out here. And they're like, oh, it's so much different. So I'm like, bullshit. People <laughs> fucking drive like idiots here too. And they're they're all pissed off because they gotta get somewhere that they don't need to be, right? Like it's like they think they need to be there, but they're not where they're at, right? Yeah. Like in the car. Yeah. That changed it changed my life. But it changed my life because I realized how much calmer I was, how much more energy I had to mm. apply to the things that I actually wanted to apply to it versus confusing myself as to why can't I get the, why am I not hitting the number or why am I not, why don't I have the energy to do this right now? Oh, maybe right. I fucking driving like an idiot, like <laughs> will save you some energy. And it just so happens it does. It's like my San Quentin, the guys in San Quentin. Like I had a guy who stopped fighting and he was in there for manslaughter for killing a guy in a fight. And he stopped fighting because he realized what a waste of energy it was. And it changed Mm. his whole thing. And I'm like, dude, you just figured out the whole fucking matrix right there. Like, that's it, man. You own it. You're in control. Hey, listeners, it's Jeremy. 
just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. And I wanted to take a quick break from the episode and remind you that at www.optimalself.today, you can gain access to our free, did I say it, free identity creator course, plus right now two bonus downloads that will forever change the way you go to bed and wake up in the morning. Did I mention that this is all free? It is for a limited time. Thank you guys again for listening. And again, the website is www.optimalself.today. Now let's get right back to the episode. That's such a great, I, I love it. Cause I, I talk so much about, about energy, about, I mean, and again, about how, how we use it, right? I was actually a guest on a podcast last week and the gentleman asked me that, that question, like how, you know, how do you stay so calm? Like, how do you, in those moments, again, you, you walk up to, you know, again, it's easy to, to equate sport, right? You're going to step up to the plate with 50,000 people, right? It's his vote. It's the, it's at the time, it's the most vulnerable state because mm-hmm. you're going to win or lose. You strike out, you're the goat, you know, they're going to throw shit at you. They're going to cuss at you going back to the dugout, right? You just let your team down. Hell, you swing, you hit a home run and you know, you're the hero, right? It's, and yet you're the same human being in either case. Correct. Right. That That's, that's exactly my point is that once you realize that, Hey, and again, when I'm at my best is when I was so calm in those moments, like the, I had a coach tell me years ago, he said, we were playing in the World Series in college. And he said, the Summer World Series, we're in uh, Wichita, Kansas. Here we are in the championship game. And we're standing there. I was the leadoff hitter of the game. We're just getting ready to start the game. He stand next to me. He's like, this is fun, ain't it? And I said, fuck yeah, coach. You know, I was like so stoked, right? And he goes, hey, I just want to tell you, the bigger the situation, the smaller you got to be. Take a deep breath and go have some fun. And I was like, to this moment, like, I just got the chills right now. Like, it still stays with me, even in moments now in, in work or, you know, speaking or coaching, mm-hmm. or running an office of 300 agents that I do today. Like, I tell myself all the time, all right, here we go. The bigger the situation, the smaller I have to be. So how do I do that? I control my breath. I control my energy, right? I go into it and knowing that, hey, preparation's done, man. Yeah, you're spot on. And so where we take this mm-hmm. is we actually break this down into people understanding their physiology and making an authentic, an actual authentic decision. Mm. Because making a decision towards an external is not authentic. That's called trauma. Mm. (laughs) That's trying to protect oneself from pain. Yeah. And that's trying to fulfill something that is misunderstood from a past that's not been understood. And that doesn't mean you need to go dig up your fucking childhood and like, and and, and you may, some people do uh, like, I mean, I did, but you know, it's, it's like, I really want to go understand that. I wanted to understand it. Like why I was making decisions based on numbers, based on fucking earning based on like all like why am i making like decisions off that none of this stuff brings me happiness like ever it's not and yet i'm continuing to repeat this 
because of some, for some reason that I'm not understanding what I'm feeling. Does that mean you can't make money? You can't perform? You can't? No, none of that does. But that's unfortunately what society and people do it. So what we do is we break this stuff down into what an authentic understanding of things actually is. And your physiology is a constant feedback mechanism that we unfortunately have learned to ignore. We learn it very young because we are kids and we're trying to survive in an environment where we need to be fed, we need to be cleaned, and we need to be, we need to go to bed, we need to sleep, right? And it's nobody's fault, like at all. But unfortunately, I had to learn specific tactics with my parents in order to get those things. And then those things transformed into don't do that. And it's like, don't tell me what to do. Like, I'm going to go do this. Like, like, you know, and oh, and now I'm an adult. And now I'm going to take those things into, well, I got to win because that's what people really, really want to see, yeah. you know? And it's like, or, or people really want you to do, like, you got to show them just the good stuff that you do on social media. And it's like, oh, that'll win me likes. And this is the world we live in right now. And it's really inauthentic. And so we break this stuff down into how to actually understand that and really start to make more authentic choices so that it's not that happiness is the goal, but, you know, people who are content, like they really do listen to what's going on. You know, they're, they're really interoceptive. So they're really listening to what their gut's telling them, not what their head's telling them all the time right but you do need to think in order to connect the dots of this is what i'm my gut's telling me about this person or this deal or this thing that i'm doing or this workout like i don't feel good right now yeah maybe you should back off like stop like slow down breathing i wonder what you know i mean that's why we implemented a gear like we developed a gear system for training like you want to understand metabolic activity want to train in specific capacities sure we figured out how to navigate that with breathing so there's specific gears you can use to understand that and if your goal for that day was to not cross the line of this energy system why are you doing that mm. well because it's harder why would it be harder because i'm probably a little bit more stressed so don't cross the line so that tomorrow you can come back and do the other thing that you wanted to do or whatever right like so it's all this and it's like we just get so far away from the center of things and it's you know everything in our in culture and everything in technology is telling us to oh we'll do it for you we'll make it easier it's never made it easier no piece of technology ever created has ever made anything easier it's only allowed us to do more and the more we do the less we're actually doing that we care about. And so it's really getting people to understand what do you truly care about? Most people don't even know what that is because they don't know that they can know what that is. Mm. Right. They think it's some external thing, but it's like, no, no, it's like you, you actually probably care about you the most, but you don't know that you do that because you're beating yourself up for the shit that you're not accomplishing. That doesn't really matter. So why does breathing play a role in that? Well, because we can actually get you to understand how the energy is changing or if I can't do this or that, what I'm doing, or if I've had this big of an episode of an emotional reaction to something, like I can reel it back and start to understand or calm it down. And it's like you said in the beginning, like 
it takes me like nine breaths and I can just really fuck. And it's like, there you go. Like, there's your thing. Keep run with that. Like try and get it to six. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important. I want to, I want to, I love the idea of the energy source because we do do more and it's because you're right because it, because it's available. Right. And that's not always the reason that we should be doing more, especially, especially training wise. If, if, remember I, I was saying an optimal self our what our principle is move. And the reason I did not name it exercise, because you like we should exercise, like let's be clear, mm-hmm. is the reason I didn't, I literally chose the word move is because movement, whatever it is, is more beneficial to your brain than it is to your body, right? And, and it goes same alongside with it, it accents, you know, again, the breathing aspect is part of that. And it's funny because people ask me all the time when they, when they come to the program and they're like, Hey, is there a, is there a reason why they're, you know, they're in a specific order? And I'm like, yeah. And and it literally goes hydrate, breathe, move in that order. Right. And then read and write. And so, but those three and, you know, I mean, hydration is, well, the, I mean, outside of breathing it, you know, your body, like, again, if we're talking about, being optimal, that your body is absolutely your, and I'll even say not even just your body, but your brain, right? Because that's the, that's the control center of it all is that when that is, when you wake up and have a cup of coffee, you're already going into a dehydration state. You're coming out of a fast because you were sleeping. And then most people suck down a monster or, you know, a coffee or whatever, right? And we've seen drastic improvement in people's and I'm going to say cognitive function, but it's, it's in, in their performance at work, in their lives, their relationships, just by doing those two things. By in the morning, having between 16 and 24 ounces of water with Himalayan sea salt and a little bit of lemon, you know, mm-hmm. and breathing. Just those two things. Yeah. I, I mean, I know you know, Matt, because these guys, people are like, Jeremy, that's really where we're going, but I have a $100 million business and we're trying to get this thing to a billion. I'm like... Yeah, man. <laughs> Don't worry. Like that, there, there isn't a single dude or gal in that category or beyond. Mm-hmm. And I have several clients that are in the yep. billion dollar range, billionaires themselves that aren't struggling their asses off for life. Mm-hmm. They're all trying to hack around it and they can't because they're doing so damn much and they're caught up in the whirlwind of that. And they think that's what the goal is and they don't understand. They don't understand what they really want. That's very clear. Yeah. And it's true. It just is what it is, man. And I love a lot of these people. Like I do. And I know they care, but they're so what they wired such a pattern for trying to build all this stuff that they forgot to take care of the number one thing. And they think that taking care of the number one thing involves a functional medicine doctor who's going to give them a bunch of fucking supplements and shoot them up with fucking a bunch of, you know, hormones that's going to optimize themselves. And it's like, dude, you can go that route as much as you want. But I'm gonna like I are already seen it. Like I know what the end road of that is. I know what it is. I seen it. <laughs> like, you know, the hydration thing is interesting. And and like, you know, it's it's funny because most people I run into are pretty dehydrated. Like they're not hydrated at all. And it takes at least 72 hours to actually rehydrate yeah. cellularly, which means that if you don't actually start rehydrating and never get there, you're never gonna get the tissue, you're never gonna get the brain function, you're never gonna get all that happening. One of the things that, you know, we talk about and teach and, you know, this is kind of getting a little turn on its head. Like we'll, t- we talk about like, 
So nutrition, how long can you go without eating? Roughly 30 days, right? How long can you go without drinking water? A week and a half, maybe, right? Like, and then you die, you die, right? Like, okay, how long can you go without breathing? <laughs> People are like, oh yeah, so that's really important. It is, but one of the bigger problems, and this is since because we're on this topic right now, is the highly driven world. The people who are in this type A, the high functioners work, they love work, they want to kick ass with work, like all this. I'm not saying don't kick ass and be great with work. Most people don't understand nutrition. And the big the big thing that's going to start that I think is going to be the thing. And this isn't my realm. I work with, with somebody specifically who, who's a biochemist and exercise endocrinologist, who's an absolute genius and, and the best in the world at what she does. But the moment glucose levels are off, you're screwed. And most people's glucose levels are screwed. People who actually think that they're doing well, like I, I witness this all the time because I've gone through this, like people who have a smoothie in the morning for their breakfast and then they'll supplement something at lunch or they'll have this little lunch and then they'll eat at dinner. And yet they're kicking ass at work all day, driving hard, going hard and, and they train and they don't understand why their sleep ain't optimized or they're in moody or any of that stuff. And it's because they're fucking hypoglycemic or they're teetering on diabetes. And it may not even be that extreme, but that's the fact of the matter. People are so undercaloried they don't even know it. And because they're so over supplemented, they think they're getting away with it. And it's frightening because I'm, I watch this all the time and it all plays a role. And hydration is a major component in that, in that process. And people don't get enough water. I, I see it all the time, especially being up at the mountains. Mm -hmm. People just don't drink enough fluid. And then they're like, don't understand two days later why they're in a tailspin. Right. Like I did all of this stuff, man. So I've been through it all, but I've also seen the markers. I've watched this stuff and I'm watching people. I work with people and I see it all the time. I see it with professional athletes all the time that just have the wrong people from the nutrition world trying to help them, but they're, they just don't understand enough and they're not willing to look elsewhere or find somebody who actually can help. And that's the basis of why we actually need to work more together and understand like, oh, who's an expert in that? Oh, that person. Like I should go work with that person and right. understand like, how can I get better? How can I feel my best, right? Sleep, like that's so critical and it's such a big component of, and I dealt with a number of stuff with that, with sleep because it was off and no amount of breathing could change it, right? <laughs> but, oh, I was under calorie. Wait, what? I ate. Like I literally would eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then I'm talking to this gal and she's like, yes, yeah, so tell me what you do in a day. And I was like, so I'll go ski or snowboard for like two hours in the morning, you know, but I'll do some breath work in the morning before that. And then I like, I'll eat and then I go and I'll ski and then I come back and I'll work and then I might lift or I might lift before I go ski. And then I do a little work in the afternoon and I, then I eat dinner and here's what I have. And she's like, yeah, you're under calorie. And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, dude, like 30% of insomnia has to do with people who are under calorie and too right. lean. And it's just, people don't understand food because most people have, including men have an eating disorder. They think they can just do a smoothie and that, that, that smoothie is going to get them what they need. Now that's fast energy. That's not enough calories. Mm -hmm. 
Anyway. No, it's great. It's super important for the people to listen because I, I, I mean, I love how you're, it, it's because it's all connected. And I mean, literally, we talk about this. I talk about it almost on a daily basis because people don't understand. You, you've used this word several times and it's, it is like literally one of my biggest pet peeves on earth. And it's, it's the hack crowd, right? Oh, yeah. It's the hack culture. That, 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 that's the, that's like the big ball. That's the big money-making drive oh, machine. Like the, like the whole tech world. I mean, I lived in the Silicon Valley for a little, for, for like a year and it was, right. it's the craziest place in the world. It's yeah. the most insane place in the world. People think they're doing such good things. And they are literally destroying everything. Yeah. And they're just wired to think that they're doing such great work and they're burning themselves out and they think they can hack everything and they've never created anything that's done anything remotely great for us in terms of making life easy. What they think they've done, they have not. And if they just came to terms with that, it'd be a lot easier to actually navigate the tech world. Right. Like clearing an an email, like, there you go. Like, what? Like, oh, I got an email system that'll clear my inbox now. And it's like, oh, really? Because now you get more every day. <laughs> <laughs> so I have less in my inbox, but now I'm getting more because people see that I'm clearing, <laughs> that I'm responding. They did a survey. So, so I, I, I did a, they did yeah. a survey in the 40s or 50s. I forget when it was with housewives for they had just invented uh, washers and washers and dryers, right? And the survey was, has life been made easier at home for you? The consensus was no. It just raised the standard of cleanliness in the house. <laughs> so everything needed to be more clean. Oh my gosh. Right? Imagine. Like, yeah. And, and that's been every single time. Every time. Everything that's happening, right? Everything. everything. But yet we fail we're looking because everybody's looking and again, right. It's, it's that it's the brain. It's, it's always looking for efficiency, right? It's always looking for the easier way. It's always, so we want that right. As humans, it's just, but how we think it's easier, right? It and is looking. Yeah. But, it, but holy shit, if we just got up, had some water, did some breath work, did some intentional movement in a very short period of time, it doesn't take people always, I always get this, like, I don't have enough time, Jeremy. Jeremy, there's just, you don't understand how busy I am. And every time I say, listen, I'm not trying good, to tell good, you. Good luck with that. Yeah. The time is, the time isn't going to fucking change, by the way, no, no matter what, like it no. doesn't matter. Like the time isn't going to change. But again, let's go back to not managing time. Let's manage our energy. Well, how do I do that? So, okay, well, here's how we do it, right? Here's what we have to do. You might have to say no to some shit. How about that? That might be a good place to start. And at yep. the same time, managing and, and putting in there the breath work, putting in there the hydration portion, putting in there. I mean, movement, like, come on. You went on one of my favorite, I had a, um, you love this guy. He, anyways, he was, he was saying, he's like, when I, he's a real estate guy, way up the food chain. And he said, when I'm in, when I am in one of those funks, he goes, when I'm, when I'm like just funked out, man, where I'm like, shit, I got this, you know, he's got one of the top podcasts in the world. Like, anyways, he goes, I drop down and I do 30 pushups as fast as I can. And it changes everything. And now I'm talking to you and I'm thinking, I love that. Holy shit. You know what he's doing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. like here we go. Yeah. Like, 
you can't not breathe. I mean, yeah. even if you're fucking holding your breath that time, you're going to force yourself to change some state. Yeah. Right. That's all he's doing is changing the yeah. state. Yeah. Just, yeah. And that's what we are king. So this is what we forget is that human beings are the only species that intentionally, other than maybe an orca at this point, because there is a group of orcas that do know how to teach themselves how to apply different hunting tactics that are not innate. Like these are not genetically passed on. It is a learned trait to swim up and beach themselves and grab a seal and then come off. Right. But we're really the only species that knows how to optimize ourselves. We literally know how to do that. That's what he's doing. Like, I just do, I just go do 30 pushups as fast as I can. Awesome, dude. Like, what is he actually doing? If you just break down the fundamentals of what he's doing, he's increasing metabolic activity and raising his respiration rate. And so he's getting more focused and more, and he's changing how the chemistry in his body's working. And he then allows that to get him out of the funk or wherever he's at. And he realigns his thinking patterns as a, as a result of that, which is great. Just the intention of what these tools are for. It's a great book. And that was where I pulled that, um, the, the study with the housewives on mm-hmm. the, on stuff that I think yeah. a lot of people should read. It's called 4,000 weeks by, um, uh, Oliver Berkman. And it is not what you think it is. The subtitle is time management for mortals, but it'll shit on everybody who thinks they don't have time for anything. (laughs) It literally just destroys the whole paradigm. And 4,000 weeks is basically roughly 80 80 years. And that's how little time you actually have. But I'll share this with you. You know, and this is out of the book is, you know, I guess Warren Buffett's pilot asked him one time about, you know, hey, can you give me some advice about success? And Warren Buffett, told him to write down the 25 most important things to him. And the guy came back, said, I got that list of 25. And he goes, great. He goes, the top five, that is where you spend your entire life with. That is what you dedicate your life to. Well, what do I do with the next 20? And he goes, you literally stay away from every one of those, like they're the plague because they're just sexy enough to actually draw you away from all those top five things. And unfortunately, everybody I've come in contact with and that I work with, including myself at first, was trying to do all 25. Yeah. And nobody's getting anything done and they're not, they're not enjoying what they should be enjoying. And they think that there's this end goal that is not guaranteed. And this is the thing we don't think about. There is no guarantee that tomorrow comes. My I mean, I got a swift kick in the ass with that one. Playing on a jungle gym with my niece with my yeah. nephews. You know, and, and like, I almost broke my neck. Right. And I basically thought I did and wound up on the ground, you know, with a spinal contusion and being paralyzed and having to deal with that and having to learn to rewalk. And it was the moment it happened, it just, everything snapped, clicked into my life. And I was like, Oh, your life just changed. Hmm. That's it. How can you look at your life right now and how it's changed in the most positive way you can? And it was like, oh, okay, so like, maybe I'm going to learn to walk or maybe I'm just going to learn. Oh, wait, you know what? I got to make sure I try, like, I'll try not to put as much pressure on everybody around me, my family, et cetera. Like, like, I've got to, I'm going to stay positive so that I can actually figure out how to take care of myself in, in, in the best way that I can so that they don't have to fucking pick up all that slack, but don't be afraid to ask for help, right? Like, that's a problem too. And it's just like, okay, so 
I just started going through breathing as I was laying there on the ground, calm myself down, got in the ambulance and then just went through the process of all this stuff and relearned to walk, had to get emergency surgery, you know, like went through the ordeal of that stuff. Um, you know, I mean, I still have numbness in my legs. It's like almost four years ago that all this happened, but we think that we're working towards something versus doing things right now. We're not participating in the moment. We're not participating in our lives. What we're doing is working to get to a thing that we think we're going to participate in. Right. And we that that ain't guaranteed. Very there are so very few people I know that I have met. Literally one hand of thousands of people I've worked with who get to that point to where they've made it. They've been able to offload it and go do the things that they really wanted to do. Everybody else is still fucking in the machine, churning. I, I, I just, I got to recap that because I need the listener to understand this because it's one of the most, it's one of the most profound things. And again, I hope it, it, it I'm sure you will attest it. I hope it never happens to anybody, right? Is BMAC is playing with your nephews, if I'm correct, right? Yeah. yeah. Nephews. On a jungle yeah, I playing, gym. I was playing ta- I was playing tag on a jungle gym with my uh, playing tag on a jungle gym with his nephews, hits the corner, doesn't see the top, ends up hitting his head, knocking himself out, giving himself I, I mean, and is paralyzed, right? You're when you wake up. Yeah, yeah, I ran up so I ran up a, a seven, eight foot ladder. Right. Went up to the top and I didn't see that there was a bar between the space from like the eight foot mark to like 12 and a half feet there was another bar but there was a you know there's this uh a crop yeah yeah there's a cross you know you could cross up top for a kid it's perfectly fine but for a six foot one dude grown ass man he didn't see that and i was going as fast as i could trying to run away from him i stepped up and like stood up going full speed and compressed so i compressed from the head to the spine and you can see kind of see the scar but yeah. I compressed and I just went lights out, dropped, hit that beam at about eight feet and then did a backflip landed on the ground. I, I was out, but woke up on the ground, completely paralyzed. With only your nephews there, right? No other adults. Yeah, just my nephews and my, my ex-wife at the time and my sister were walking their way down. Mm. And so I, I literally was like, hey, like I, I picked up my breathing and I was like, hey, what happened? And they're like, you don't know what happened? They're like, you just did a backflip off of that. And I was like, oh my God, fuck. I just knocked myself out. Like I'm on, oh my God, I'm paralyzed. And I was just like, okay. Like, hey, get your mom as quick as you can for me. Cause I can't get up. And they're like, okay. (laughs) And so they got my sister and my ex-wife time and they both came running and they called the paramedics. Luckily there's a fire station literally on the corner and the guys came over you know, they gurneyed me, strapped me up the whole nine yards. And, you know, I, I went to the hospital and was in the ER overnight. And how long before you could actually feel anything again? 10 minutes into the ride, I started getting neurogenic pain in my hands, which mm. is extreme. So that's really painful. So think pins and needles, but times like a hundred, it doesn't feel good at all. Uh, mm. Neurogenic pain is um, really painful, but that's the sign that things are starting to come back. So I got that in my um, hands within 10 minutes. 
Mm. I probably in a few hours I had, I was able to kind of move my hands. My mm. legs didn't start to come back till about 30 hours or so, 40 hours till I started to get the neurogenic pain. And then it took me about like, um, I think it was something like probably three or four weeks as I was walking like Bambi, mm. you know, like I, I was just like Bambi on ice, you know, just like, but that, that was all I could really do. And I, I had emergency surgery 12 days after the actual incident. They wanted to do it there at the ER, but I didn't want those docs actually doing the surgery. So I opted for another doc. I interviewed like a half dozen docs for the surgery. Damn. So there's a quote from you. I, I don't remember if it's off the website or whatever. I mean, I wrote it down because I loved it. It says, you have the ability to control one thing as a human being, how you respond. The moment you try to control anything outside of your response, you've lost control emotionally. And to, re to respond effectively, you must understand your breath. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, you know, this is recently as I'm, as I'm getting ready to, to, to have this conversation with you. And it took me back to, again, following the journey of, of that accident with you, you know, following online and going, holy shit, is he all right? You know, and seeing you in the halo and, and all those things that, you know, I remember all that stuff. And, mm -hmm. and I read that, I read that and I thought, holy fuck, like, if that isn't true, and again, how you respond, right? And you not freaking out in that moment, like, holy shit, I can't move. And being and seeing these little dudes around you, just, you know, again, you understanding. And I'm sure whether you were, whether you were telling yourself or not, oh, hey, okay, let's, let's focus. Okay. We got a deep breath. Okay. I can feel that, you know, the diaphragm still moving or maybe you can't, right? Like maybe yeah, no, it, was, it was painful to breathe. It's, it's almost involuntary. Like, you know, you fall on your yeah. back, like, you know, just yeah. paint, like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I caught it, but yeah, you know, that, but there you but are that, that, in that, that means, moment. Yeah. I, thanks. But you know, I mean, I'm just interested in understanding in a capacity that I I want to know, like, I, 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 not know. I just want to understand. I, I just want to see how deep the well goes. Mm. And so far, it's like what I'm starting to gather is that, you know, psychology is largely, largely just misunderstood physiology. Mm. And people don't know that they feel like shit. They think the way they feel is just a pro it's just a byproduct of how life functions whether it's a nutritional problem or whatever, it doesn't matter. But there's a very big problem and it's, and it's, and it's disconnection with what we've got. And we are highly disconnected to the thing that every other animal in the wild is very connected to. They know intuitively and they know instinctively and they know that if they don't pay attention to their gut when they come around a corner or what's going on, they're dead. Because the wild doesn't give a shit. The ocean doesn't give a shit. Unfortunately, nothing in this world really truly gives a shit. And we forget about that. Nature is indifferent. It just is what it is. And our closest connection to nature is our physiology. Because your stress physiology... So I'll kind of wrap the whole thing with this, is that our stories and experiences are all quite fucking different and unique and special to us but our stress is not there is no difference 
your physiology is no different than mine and how you're going through things regardless of the story. And we get so wrapped up in our stories of who we believe we are, never knowing who we were or are because we're, we think we're supposed to be doing something or other things when in fact our body's communicating to us something very differently. Does that mean you can't go play professional baseball? Nope. (laughs) Does that mean you can't go run a hundred million dollar company? Nope. But I will say this. Nobody gives a fuck at the end of the day. (laughs) Nobody cares. So you had better care about what that means. Like, think about like, if you have your choice on your deathbed, do you want to say to yourself, God, I wish I built a bigger company or, or are you going to say, man, I really wish I would have spent more time with myself or playing a bit more. Right. Like, I, I mean, that's basically what I get from people that I'm working with. It's just like, yeah, I really wish I was actually taking better care of myself and listening to myself more, like understanding what I truly wanted and going and doing that. Good. Go do that. Do it. I don't care what it is, but go do it. Stop not doing it because the stories that we're telling ourselves are not helping us. And they're very like, that's all I do. Like I, I, I tell stories about things and try and arc things so that people can understand them in a way that might make some sense to help them go develop a practice for themselves. That's where the big problem is, is people really just don't have a practice. What they have is this just kind of OCD like behavior towards something that they think one day is going to allow them to do the thing that they don't, that that really there's no guarantee they're going to do. And most often it never really happens anyway. I love it, man. Well said, well said. I'm going to, uh, we have a, the the end of the show, uh, we do two quick hitters with, with everybody, same two words. I give them to everybody who's ever been on and I'm always, I I love the, the answers. And so the first word is, is discipline. When you hear that word, what does that mean to you? Or, and how does it affect you? And what does it mean at all? I revolt. I don't think discipline is a necessary component, but that's just, unfortunately, you know, five years ago, I'd have told you very differently. Sure. I'd have told you very differently. I do not think discipline is a very good approach to anything. I think it, it sets up some consequences that become, that, that just become, things that people don't actually want in the end. I think that if you can find joy in something, you will do that thing. Mm -hmm. I get up early in the morning, not through discipline because I enjoy getting up early in the morning and doing shit. I really enjoy it. I don't need discipline for it. I've had just plenty of discipline to do things in the past where I'm like, Oh, I got to go do this. I'm going to have to set an alarm Bro, I haven't set an alarm and I don't even know how many years, like, it's just like, I think that if we can find a reason for something, discipline is totally unnecessary. I totally agree. Love it. Well said. How about impact? What impact do you want to leave, BMAC? What what, what does impact mean to you? I don't really care. (laughs) I I, I truly don't anymore. I'm like, I just don't, I don't want a legacy. I don't want any of that shit. I'm, I don't think it matters. I, I, what I do think matters is just sharing the things that I've learned and that 
that somehow guides people to figure something out for themselves. I don't change people. People have to change themselves. Like, and you have to have active participation in that. And for me to like, I I just, I don't want (laughs) to, I don't care about an impact anymore. I mean, I changed my entire social media structure because I was so tired of just like the stuff and just the, the, the way everything kind of arcs through that medium and, you know, decided that, I, I just wanted more active participation in my life and less in a place that does that's kind of a major illusion. I love it, man. <laughs> as soon as as soon as I was about to hit that word up on the screen, I, I knew exactly where <laughs> you were going. I was so oh man. Here's the I, I and I want to close with this. Usually that's the end, but but you guys have, uh, and I'm gonna put it on the screen. If you guys are if you guys are listening to this in the car, you can find it on the YouTube channel. Your logo, the the shift logo, and there's two lines. And I just wanted to give you a second because you you kind of made reference to it right there with with the fact that they're responsible, that we are all responsible for. Yeah, all I'm doing is teaching for personal responsibility. Yeah, man. And again, because if if people can check this out on your website as well, but tell me about the the way the logo looks and the gap in the logo because I think it's really fucking cool, man. Uh, that was just kind of us taking an approach to kind of, I mean, the name in and of itself is shift, like Mm -hmm. to create a shift. And then like, there's this separation that has like the, that, that occurs that, you know, I think for me, you have to be willing to give up the idea or the belief of who you are. And that is the beginning of something. And for me, fortunately, I learned that at a very young age. I was roughly like 23 going on 24, like really in the same month, like about to turn 24. And I started learning about that real early. And I've had to have many kind of deaths of self to really kind of let go of the ideas of who I am to actually be able to experience myself, start to see the patterns and and, and the things that I start to do. You know, I just, the whole mantra of of what we're trying to do is to open people up to the fact that they are in charge of far more than they know, and they have far more power than they think, but it ain't the power that they're currently using. That's, you know, most of us are kind of caught in this false paradigm of power, and we don't understand what what, what real power actually is. And I, that's really kind of the whole essence of what we're trying to do is get people to understand how they're responding to stress. And once they start to get that, then they can start to really understand who they are because you have to give up on the idea of what you think you are in order to be able to observe, Oh, I'm fucking, I'm freaking out on somebody in traffic that doesn't even know who I am. I'm taking this personally with somebody who doesn't know me. Yeah. Right. And it's like, why, why, what a waste of energy. Mm. What a waste of a life. You know, like, and I was doing that. So that's, <laughs> I was like, yeah. you know, it's just, it, it, yeah. So I, the whole idea is to get people to create a shift in their own life. And that separation is kind of in that middle. I love it, man. I mean, it's, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that, you know, all of us are guilty of it. All of us 
But it goes back to, uh, I'll say the beginning of that quote that I love of yours is that you have the ability to control one thing as a human being and that's how you respond. And yeah, the more, as soon as we learn that, and as soon as we take responsibility for that, because look, the moment you woke up in the morning, life's standing right there. You can't even see it, but it's standing right there, ready to kick you right in the fucking face, ready to punch you right in the gut. It's ready to push. It's ready to go. And the truth is, is you're in control how you respond. And there are some mechanisms that can help, right? If you're properly hydrated, if you know how to get to your breath, if you know how to, if you know how to change your state, right? If you have proper movement, we get cognitive function. We get, we get that cellular energy working in your favor. We get that cellular energy actually properly hydrated from the oxygen to the nutrients to, I mean, all of it is, is encompassing to, you know, so Mm -hmm. yo, man, thank you. I love it, brother. Thank you. Are you kidding me, man? I, I, I've been looking forward to this ever since uh, it showed up on, uh, on my sheet. So, man, I can't thank you enough, bro. You're doing amazing things. And I know impact doesn't matter to you, but I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of us out there that you've impacted our lives. And so just from bottom of my heart, man, thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Jeremy. I, I really appreciate that, man. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, brother. So uh, we'll be following along. If there's anything that we can ever do, man, like uh, especially from our end that we can promote for you at any moment that we can help get this message to the world, you know, I'm open to it. And, and uh, you you got somebody here that will, that will help any way possible, brother. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right, y'all. Till next time, get your ass out there and be the best version of you. Subscribe to Optimal Self wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information on how to be the best version of you, visit OptimalSelf.today and follow at OptimalSelf1 on Facebook, at Optimal underscore Self on Instagram, and subscribe to Optimal Self on YouTube. Thank you for listening.